0: Hello, this is Property Matters, a weekly catch-up on all matters property, supported by Fairview International Property Consultancy and auctionproperty.co.uk. We're live every Sunday from 10am, YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn and our website, propertymatterstv.co.uk. If you're watching on the website, leave us a Google review and get involved if you're uh, watching on social media in the comments section below. Any uh, subjects that you'd like us to cover, the email address is hello at propertymatterstv.co.uk. Also, if you'd rather get us on the move, so to speak, with a podcast, you can do that every Monday, 10 a.m., 24 hours after the live show, and you can find it wherever you get your podcasts from. And we're also live across the week on Dilsay Radio as well. So let's take a look at the property news with Joe Joshi. Morning, Joe. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, everybody.
1: Good morning to our viewers and listeners, of course, on podcast. Um, Yeah, I think it's quite a good idea that podcasts The more and more people are, uh, you yeah, know, listening to stuff as they move along, um, and uh, and we make sure that we are in your ears.
0: Absolutely. Right. OK, first question, or first uh, subject rather this morning. An interesting one, this, because um, it's been suggested that the government should take a stake in the rental market to fix the affordable housing crisis. This is according to Anisha Beveridge, who's the head of research at Hamptons International. Speaking to financial website This Is Money, she said that the government's involvement could take the form of buying homes from house builders and renting them out until interest rates fall and the market picks up. She says, given how few homes are likely to be sold this year, we think it's an opportunity for the government to take a stake in the rental market, a bit like Norway's sovereign wealth fund, but investing in homes rather than oil. She told the website that it's such a, that such a fund could buy new homes for, from both private developers and housing associations and rent them to tenants. So, what do you think, Joe? Do you think the government should get involved in the rental market and become a landlord? Yeah. Um
1: yeah, I mean, that's all they really need to do now, isn't it, um, is, is to become the landlord. In, in essence, um, the government are already indirectly landlords through the housing associations, because obviously one of the reasons why the housing associations exist is to be able to provide social housing in um, a perhaps more cost effective way. Uh, from new developers or the opportunity to buy um, properties that, that you know people want to live in, um, like family homes, for example. So there, there is always there is already some sort of existence um, as an indirect way because when somebody as a new developer, when they're building, uh, and the planners are there, what they do say to them is that um, you know uh, a certain percentage will go to social housing, and that that social housing is at a discounted rate so that they can. Um, rent out to uh, first-time buyers or people that um, require assistance or offer help, to, uh, not so much help to buy, but share ownership. So sometimes they'll offer share ownership, of, You know, maybe it's 20 or 30 or 40% and they could buy a percentage each year from the housing association allowing people to get on the first run of the, the uh, property ladder. So there is an already an existence through um, housing associations i'm not quite sure how they would actually end up directly ma- managing and buying uh, the idea is obviously good um because obviously you know people people are saying that if you can't sell them then they should go and buy them and then rent them out but they're using a vehicle through housing association to do exactly that and even if they were to buy it directly they'll end up having to give it to someone to manage and that will not go to managing agents or letting agents it will become a, another uh, tier in the government body for example there'll be another section created that will manage the portfolio for the prop for the government um, or on behalf of the government so in in theory it's a good idea but i think um what she is missing there is that it already exists and it's already a painful idea because when uh developers do build they end up having to give a section of their properties to um the housing association now the problem is that it does it does cause um some concern for the development for example somebody might build 100 or 200 flats or, or an estate and a section of that would become social housing the annoying part i suppose is that developers feel and are made to feel that obviously if they uh have a social housing aspect of it they need to sort of almost group that together in one corner so that all the people that are in the housing association property are in the same thing and that is almost a discrimination because you know you are you are setting out um you know not allowing integration of of society and community you're actually almost sort of saying well look those are the cheaper homes they belong to the housing association so you you're in that section um and i think that probably doesn't really help but the reason why they do that paul is because it doesn't help the the values of the overall properties, or at least they think it doesn't help the overall properties.
0: Mm. I mean, I was just thinking, actually, really, in some ways, it's just the reinvention of council houses, isn't it? Because I mean, the state was involved, all right, it was the local councils that that ran the the, the local council housing, but uh, it was was kind of the state system, wasn't it, that was uh, running the properties back in the day?
1: Yes, I mean, in all honesty, whilst it gave a lot of people in the Thatcher era, the chance to sort of get on the property ladder they have never really no one no successive government has ever really recovered from that idea the idea was good at the time but we got rid of a lot of housing stock a lot of people had the privilege of buying those homes at a fraction of the costs because they were renting them it meant that the government got some money back in but in all honesty they've never managed to grasp the amount of homes that they got rid of, uh, which they already owned, and they've spent the last, you know, best part, of what now, 30 years, 40 years, um, trying to recoup that. And every time somebody comes into power, they keep saying, "Oh, we're going to build 3,000 more homes." Well, you know, if they probably didn't sell them, we wouldn't be in in the the situation that we are now in. But because of inflation, because of cost of building, cost of land, and everything else. They're just never going to catch up in trying to do that. But yes, you're absolutely right. Theoretically, it's really going back to the the original idea of owning a council property.
0: She, she maintains, it's Anisha beverage. She, she maintains that it should encourage house building um, and a big investment in the rental market would ultimately put downward pressure on rents. <laughs> I suppose if there were all these houses are suddenly available for rent, then there wouldn't be the spiralling costs because the rarity of property available to rent right now.
1: Well, look, they, you know, the, the whole thing is designed about market forces. In my opinion <laughs> when they when they build they they have to uh, provide a social a certain aspect of them as, as social housing and if and building costs have gone up so much land costs have gone so much that uh, it's now almost an impossible task to try and catch up it does continue to create those positions to buy and develop and they are becoming more and more expensive and more out of the reach of the first-time buyers which is where it all starts um, and of course, if the housing associations were given that privilege, um, not everybody feels that they want to start through the housing. So there's, there's a, how can I say it? There's a social issue there, isn't there? Where people think, well, actually, I don't want to buy and invest in a, a housing association house. Cause I'm going to be not in the area that I would like to be, I'd like to buy where everybody else lives. Um, and I think what they really got to think about is, um, integration rather than segregation by segregating it as a uh, <coughs> corner of a house of a development with a housing association what the message is that you know you go out then buy in the, in the housing because that's a bit cheaper or that gives you a chance to get on, on, on the run of the, the first time by a you know, ladder but um they will continue to do that in order to make sure that there is and we know historically we all tend to build our way out it doesn't matter what country you're in when things go wrong, um, you know, building is the way to get back into society, get back on, on on, on um, you know, employment.
0: Moving on to our second uh, story of the week, um, which is uh, fall-throughs. Um, we're still looking back, of course, at all the figures being produced at 2023. So this is another one of these stories. But they were looking at quarter three of uh, 2023, and they were saying that the fall-throughs uh, are estimated to have cost the UK buyers and sellers around £270 million. Now, that's um, in literally one quarter of a year. So for three months, it's almost £100 million a month. ...that's been lost through fall-throughs. Information platform Pack analysed the latest data... ...from 20CI for quarter three of 23... ...on the number of estimated fall-throughs seen across the market... ...as well as the estimated cost of a fall-through... ...taking inflation and the increased cost of legal fees into account. The figure shows that the number of transactions falling through... ...is on the up, increasing by 13.3% in Q3 of last year... ...having already increased by 9% between quarter one and quarter quarter two of the same year. So at the same time, the average cost of a fall through in quarter three climbed to £3,433, an increase of 51 on the previous quarter and 84 since the start of the year. As a result, the platform estimates that the total cost of fall throughs to UK buyers and sellers sat just shy of £270 million during the third quarter of last year, 15% higher than Q2 in total. So what I find interesting, and we have, we have talked about this before, obviously, but the the amazing thing is that we've still got such an antiquated system that we end up with these uh, fall throughs. But I guess part of this also, of course, would be the fact that people agree to buy a house, then they go and get their mortgage or their mortgages refused because of the more stringent uh, um, levels that they have to achieve to get a mortgage.
1: Yes, it's, it's quite, quite sad, really, in all the years that i've been in business this area just has not managed to get itself sorted and it gets worse when you get these so-called interrupters coming into the market people like purple bricks and strike who, th- who turn around and say we can do everything for nothing um and you know uh, I, i'm a firm believer that no pain no gain if someone hasn't got any skin in the game they really don't care and we live on hope and prayer and that is we hope and pray that this guy or person who is interested in buying or starts buying the process is someone that's gonna end up concluding nine times out of ten, they, they don't, and fall through rates are at 50%, which is pretty high. In fact, it's too high. Um, you know, if you if you're putting if you're putting 10 deals together, you know half of those are not gonna go. So the question is always about the quality as opposed to the quantity. The quality is um, pretty low because people think okay it's a deal and you can't blame uh, salespeople you can't blame negotiators the enthusiasm that they have and it's, it's part of the, the 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 whole kudos of, of a salesperson that 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 buzz that zip you know that the fix that they get of saying look I've got a sale I've got to sell and also it's appeasing the sellers because you know you might have had something on the market for some time and all of a sudden here is a you know, maybe a small inkling of interest and boom, you want to put that sale together and you know, probably in your heart, hearts, that that sale is not going to progress. And also it's about the chain system. We have a system very antiquated, um, but can't be often broken. And many companies have set up in breaking chains so that they can come along and buy someone's property in the middle of, of a chain and say, right, we'll offer you X. But then of course it's about percentage and, and, and money. And if that money can't be, you know, paid for it, nobody's going to and break the chain. So what happens is the long process of it is that fall throughs happen. And there are so many reasons, sometimes really um, ridiculously feeble reasons for why things don't go. I mean, back in the days, um, people used to argue about things like carpets and curtains. I mean, that's moved on a lot now because most people don't want someone else's carpets and curtains. but. <laughs> Back in the back in the days of when I started in the eighties, we could we could spend a, a month discussing whether the lounge carpet was something that somebody was gonna leave behind. And in all honesty, now it's probably cheaper that they take it with you because it costs more to dispose of the damn thing. Um, but you know that's that's those are the things that would have created a problem of a fall through. Oh, I don't want the carpet. She says she doesn't like the curtain, that's it, that's the end of the story, we're not gonna buy that property. And, and and really when you think about it those were really silly silly uh, reasons why things actually didn't progress but now it's most about about understanding the chain understanding the actual um you know the deal understanding the information that a buyer has given you and whether you think that that is and you can scrutinize it until the cows come home but if they've decided that they're not going to buy it they're not going to buy it and that's the reason and i firm believer that you know time has come along where people should um, have skin in the game. They should have a system where basically someone has to put some money down because the trust factor is not there, is it? It's not about a gentleman's agreement, a shake of the hand, and a, a nod and a wink and say that's all okay. It's now really down to the fact that are you in it? And in, if you're in it, you've got to put some, put some skin in it. And that means whether it's 500 pounds or a thousand pounds into a pot where they say well you know if you decide after all of this that you are going to not buy then the other person gets the ballot because it's, it's the cost the seller gets that but of course neither are are happy to do it and then of course there's all these logistics about you know who where and why should a, a deposit would be held i mean that look look what has happened in the in the uh, buy-to, you know the, the rental market you know these these sort of um, situations have occurred where people have to have certain accounts to be able to put their deposits in so it does become a little bit messy but the point is that you know I think if if such a system doesn't get brought in soon these fall-through rates will just continue to rise and to be honest with you in the next year next 10 years next five years there'll come another you know disruptor as they call it but I think you know they're just you know they're just looking for it doesn't you can't there's no such thing as a free lunch pool and what they think there is that is that you know oh, let, let's do this this way and that's why the fall through rates go up and actually they don't account for that they don't account for the headache the staff the people the advertising the marketing the keys the portal all of those costs are costs that are fixed costs and if it falls through that's money out of your own pocket so i think agents have got to work on that
0: yeah, I guess if you're in a chain and this, the very first part of the chain, the first-time buyer maybe doesn't get their mortgage and then their sale falls through, and if you're two or three up the line, I mean, that's not your fault. Nothing's happened from your point of view, uh, and I guess there's not much you can do about that. But thinking about it in the wider sense, is there anything that a seller can do to protect themselves from the the spectre of a uh, fall-through?
1: Yes, I mean, I think first, first and foremost, a seller must not agree a sale um until such certain action you know we have that sort of old adage of actions speak louder than words so if a buyer is buying and when i when i was doing the 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 um, agency side of things i would look at it on the basis that um if someone's actually put some money in and and paid for a survey for example that was a tick box that that told me that they are genuinely on, on that journey because a they've put some skin in the game they have put some money in they have spent the money on a survey put an application in for a for a mortgage and the lenders valuers are now being in touch so that's a doesn't i mean if you don't get that in the first four or five weeks maximum you yeah, know that house should remain on the market until such time as somebody does um it then gives um co- cause of concern to the buyer to make sure that you know, why is it still being offered? Well, it's being offered because you haven't said what you were going to do. So, you know, make, make some noise, do, do the things that you're going to do. The legals are probably the worst scenario because nobody starts the legal process until they think they've got a survey and a mortgage offer done. Now, if you imagine the journey of this, take day one, the sale is agreed, the memorandums have gone out, and then nothing. It just sits there um and you spend your next i don't know eight weeks ten weeks chasing and you're chasing who are you chasing you're chasing a solicitor. well the solicitor says i've got no money on account i've got no instructions i can't do the searches so that's parked you know um we are not going to do anything because the survey hasn't been done by the lender so that could be another four weeks before you even get there and then maybe they didn't they're not successful in getting that through the criteria from the lender they're going to change to another lender and before you know it that's another six eight weeks that's gone so it's the system itself that doesn't so until then it should remain on the market to another buyer who might be able to come along and that's where the unfairness comes the unfairness is that somebody's put some time and energy trying to do this it's not their fault that they haven't passed maybe a credit score or they, their solicitor hasn't done their work or they don't part with five six hundred pounds on an account you know that's the archaicness. so there must be you know sooner or later there's got to be some sort of policy some sort of insurance policy that a seller can take out uh knowing that the they need to be protected uh, against fall throughs and against costs otherwise it will continue as it is
0: we shall keep an eye on that story for sure i know over the coming months on um, property matters Final story of the week this week, uh, Joe, um, which we were going to cover last week, but we got so much involved in uh, the nine things that are going to define the 2024 property market, we didn't get time for this story. But I still think it's worth talking about, and that is the data from Rightmove that came in about what they call the Boxing Day bounce. So the 26% increase in new sellers beat the record of previous years. So basically, this is when people decide they've spent all the time with the family on Christmas Day. they are bored out their tiny minds on Boxing Day. So they decide to go and look for a new house on Boxing Day. Apparently, this is a thing. And this year, 26% more people did it than uh, the previous year. Buyers also got their New Year moving plans into motion on Boxing Day with a number of buyers contacting estate agents about homes for sale nearly quadrupling, up 273%, Joe, from Christmas Day and 17% higher than Boxing Day the last year. Visits to the right move platform nearly doubled, 84% between Christmas Day and Boxing Day, and were 8% higher than last year. A boost was expected since Boxing Day traditionally signals the start of the home mover activity starting to ramp up following the usual lull over Christmas. So, did you feel your Boxing Day bounce, Joe? <laughs> well, it's
1: interesting actually that you know I was just sitting there thinking about you know what Boxing Day now means as opposed to what it originally was for of course originally it was for the fact that you'd actually opened up all your presents and things were now needed to probably be boxed away and and, you know you had a boxing day of clearing up and all sorts of other things but i think the connotation of now packing your bags and moving on after christmas lunch is probably the real new boxing day because you probably had a row over lunch and decided that this is the end of it and i'm gonna now start packing my bags and um, and, um, and tomorrow is the beginning of my move. So, Right Move have obviously utilized that to the maximum and created a new reason for what is called Boxing Day. And you start either boxing each other and say, right, that's it, it's all over, we're going, or we're going to pack our bags and move on. So I think there's a new connotation for Boxing Day, but anyway, that's just uh, just my uh, my my weird uh, sense of humour.
0: The way your uh, mind works, yeah. My
1: way, my mind works. But uh, um, the idea behind Boxing Day and, of course, you know, the surge is is clear. It's always been there, Paul. And of course, you know, in in historic times, people would probably go and buy a property news or buy the the local paper and start to fl- flick through. So this data. Probably wasn't as available as it is now because there's more eyes on smartphones and on on iPads and iPhones and all sorts of other stuff that allows them to sort of start getting bored and start to flick through the idea. And also, if you've got your family around the table over Christmas, um, the chances are you start thinking, well, actually, this place has now you know out we've outgrown it. It's a bit it's more. Uh, or it's the other way around, it's too big, I'm on my own, you know, all by myself. And and therefore, maybe it's time to, to pack up and move move to something even smaller or something bigger. So I think it's, it is a, a point where people do start to sort of trigger off and think, well, this is the time for us to do. And all the reasons and all the stories and all the genuine, you know, plans um, are start to become something that they action perhaps on Boxing Days. And that's why there's a huge surge um in the in the search of the type or the area or the what's what they're going to plan for the following year as where they're going to move so yes it is i'm not saying that it's all real though i think it's more about curiosity rather than the fact that they are but of course you've got to start somewhere and i think right right move is is looking at those stats that on boxing day there's a huge surge of number of people that start to look uh, will start to think about which way they're going to go. And uh, for that reason, I think Boxing Day has become a popular day to sort of, you know, see where they are. But none of that really, I think, transpires into... If you actually went and spoke to agents directly, which I have, um, you know, just having to see, see what the market is doing, what their feelings are and so forth, um, the, the actual end result is definitely not the result that Rightmove publish by saying there's the huge surge. So I think it's about curiosity killed the cat. The curiosity is scenario on Boxing Day, let me see what I can get and what's going on on board, um, as opposed to, am I gonna actually get there and start there? So the journey starts, but I'm not sure it ends that way.
0: Yeah, I was just gonna say, there's no guarantee just because you know, it could be a lot of tire kickers, as they say, but um, a cynic in me would say, uh, a lot of this is just a little bit of sort of uh, New Year hype, just to get people talking about moving and, and buying and selling property
1: absolutely yeah i mean look you know we know and i always say that probably the top five subjects on a dinner table and one of them happens to be property you know it's it's, it's there it doesn't matter whether it's a christmas boxing day you know easter sunday or any other time that you want to take it You know, it, it is one of the, the the subjects that everyone at some stage has to come across, whether they're renting, whether they're moving on a short term, whether they're moving countries, whether they're moving, moving is moving. And and, and so, you know, it's always going to be a subject that's going to be discussed. It just so happens that you know, people are around the Christmas dinner table and they think, well, this is the time. And the next day, I suppose boredom sets in. So they start looking at potentially things like Rightmove and, and Zoopla and all the other sites that go there. But that data is now more readily available and collectible. It wasn't there because obviously previously it was local papers and nobody knew how to generate that.
0: No, absolutely. Uh, It's interesting to get your feel on whether you think that that's translated through into, you know, a more positive um, situation in the market right now because clearly this time last year people were still looking at the prospect of interest rates going up and nobody really knew where it was going to stop. This year, everyone seems to take it for granted that they're going to fall. Um, And that's, I suppose, been um, underlined by the fact that some building societies and banks have actually started to gently lower their rates um, in, in expectation, presumably, of a, a, a cut in the interest rate. So do you feel that that's translated, that so-called Boxing Day bounce, has that translated into activity in January?
1: No, I don't think it has. I think it'll be a while before that actually translates. I suppose what they're trying to do is about a bit, putting the fishing net out, you know, it's perhaps to catch a mackerel here. You know, you're gonna actually throw out that net about reducing some fixed rates trying to entice the people that may be considering that, that it's it's okay to buy. Um, but it is an election year and there's going to be lots and lots of toys that are going to be thrown out, lots of gimmicks that some of them may or may not actually transpire to be what people want to happen. But, you know, the, the bank rate went up speedily, rapidly last year in 23. Uh, it put a lot of people in a lot of uh, difficult situation that's not going to just get itself tidied up in a heartbeat Um, combination of utility costs and of course the bank rate really has put a huge amount of pressure on families all over to such an extent that the average family is now having to find probably almost another thousand pounds or so a month more and that's a lot of money to find so yes interest rates are being offered first-time buyers are being enticed there are rates out there that are being offered at fixed rates that you know anything between four and four and a half or a quarter and they'll be as time goes on probably lesser ones. the base rate is still 5.25 and we expect that um in the first budget which I think is in March we'll probably or, or close to it we'll start to see some Um, drops there. Again, it's more about enticing people into what could be the future of any government that's going to happen. So, but I I don't think that it's actually ended up on the table right now. It's just talk. Um, And maybe another, uh, you know, spring bounce is probably what we're now looking for. It's not, not a new year bounce. I think the spring bounce may be depending on what those actual rates translate into and how many people can borrow the problem also has become and and conversation that i've had is that you know the the models are very stringent so they might offer the rates at maybe four percent but the stress test that is being done is still done at a much higher rate Um, and that normally means that those people that think they're going to get a mortgage offer and get a fixed rate may not be offered that amount and therefore they'll probably just shy away and think I'll sit back. That's why the rental market is extremely busy at the moment because people are just sitting and waiting to make sure that it does actually translate into something all these changes for people so that they could actually start to make a commitment for a long term. Ideally yes they would love to buy because it's cheaper to buy than it is to go and rent but at the same time they may not be in a position to buy.
0: Yes, I mean, if you were thinking to buy a property now, you wouldn't rush to uh, to the right moves and the like right now because you'd want to see what was going to come up in the, uh, the budget in March and any other electoral temptation that uh, they might dream up. And, of course, if that means that, as Richie Sunak has uh, suggested, that he's going to go to the country in maybe October, November time or certainly in the last quarter, that could spell quite a dull year for the property market.
1: Well as a rule most property uh, people are expecting a dull year. I mean it, you can't you can't take that away. Yes they are going to throw out some some goodies, but those goodies are not going to translate into actual business I think in 24. Most people are saying that 24 will be a subdued market because of the uncertainty of and it's not just you know the UK, it's worldwide. I mean there's elections pretty much Everywhere for new new governments, you know, and and you know it's the old story when America you know sneezes, we catch a cold situation, and so it's those there's a lot of that going on at the moment, and then of course, you know um, the crises around the world are going to translate in pockets, so people are just a little cautious, and rightly so. Can't can't say that they shouldn't, and they say cash is king, so this is a buyer's market. Cash is king um at this moment in time and um you know there are some opportunity for first-time buyers and there are the best opportunity in all honesty for first-time buyers because the investors are are sitting on their hands and not looking at the buy-to-let market so there's there are good good chances but not everybody's going to pass the stress test so it's 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 the lesser of the two evil what do you do you know so maybe the best thing to do is just stay where you are and and so i think that's the kind of thing is not you know not encouraging coming from me but i'm just trying to be as real as possible that you know it's 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 going to be a a a slow slow pace in 24.
0: well it may be a dull year in property joe but it won't be a dull year on property matters that's for sure we'll sit here and talk about it for as long as we can and uh, we'll be back with some more property matters very very soon